Okay, good evening and welcome to everybody out there in Gunaland. This is another edition of the Guna's World podcast, a Guna Ramble. Uh, this week's edition, a special guest this evening will be Tom Biggins, a journalist and a broadcaster who writes for the prominent Red and White Light as well as Sunderland World. Uh, good evening, Tom. All right there, Charles. How are you doing, sir? I'm good, man. You? Not too bad. Um, also, on the lines, uh, we've got a uh, new signing, Judd or Leo. How are you doing, mate? I'm great, you? Not too bad, not too bad. And, um, Jay, we've got you there sitting there in your sartorial elegance. How are you, mate? Yeah, not bad, mate. Good stuff. All right, um, so let's get right into it. Well, um, Tom, how, um, how, how, how would you assess Paolo Di Canio's appointment um, going from last season and into this over the summer and into this what do you make of it what, what, what do people in Sunderland make of this of his appointment so far I think um, coming from last season everyone was sort of riding on a high I think that mainly came from obviously the derby win where we won 3-0 I mean if you look at our, our performances at the end of the season apart from if you take away the derby win they weren't that great but obviously he came in to keep us up and he did and obviously it, it's been a a little bit of an Italian revolution at the minute. There's the amount of players he's brought in, the amount of players he's he's got rid of, even some of the big ones, you know, like Cessignon, who was for years the first name on the team sheet. Um, there was a lot of excitement, and obviously it's it's faltered a bit at the start. But bringing in that many new players and watching them gel, um, I think it's, the team still needs some time to come in. But people are starting to get a little bit jittery. I think. Right. Um... Do you think that he will be able to turn it around? Yeah, I mean, he's one of them... I think at the minute, it's, in the next few matches, it's going to turn into a... People love Paolo de Canio as a son and fan, or people hate Paolo de Canio as a son and fan, because he's... Obviously, as we, we've known from the past, he's a very outspoken and passionate manager, so he's one of them ones where if he comes out and he says something, um, if you're not on his side, it's really going to rub you up the wrong way, but if you are on his side, it's... It, it, it really reaffirms your faith in him um, and I, I think he can do it I mean it looks like the chairman does believe in him as well and it, it's, it's not a really turn around I mean it's only three games and like I say if you, if you look at the team sheet I mean tomorrow with injuries and stuff like that it looks like from last year there's probably only three maybe four at the most mainstay players from last season playing so they're going to need time to gel Yeah, uh, I, I think he, he will be able to do it Okay, cool. Um, Leo, have you any, got any questions for uh, Tom? So what's your uh, general feeling going into the match this early in the season against the Arsenal side that's, you know, after the hiccup against Villa, playing kind of strong? You guys confident? Worried? I, would, I, w- I wouldn't say confident, um, <laughs> especially with the new signing of, uh, that you've just obviously got, uh, Ozil, um, could be starting tomorrow, but Maybe that takes the limelight off Sunderland a bit. I mean, start of the season when you're playing Fulham at home and everyone's excited about this new revolution, everyone was expecting the sun to go out all guns blazing and win, you know what I mean? And obviously we got we got beat 1-0 in that game. Whereas this game we're going into it where you just came off, you just beat Tottenham, who, although they've lost Beale, they've brought in some really good signings. And on top of that, you've just got sorry, a record for yourself signing in, um, so all the limelight's going to be on Arsenal, so I don't know whether that's going to take the pressure off the Sunderland players, I wouldn't say we're confident going in, um, and I mean, De Canio in a, 
press conference recently said that he thinks the way that he's playing football will suit playing the higher teams better than the lower teams just because the style of football he plays but like I say we haven't really played a, a big team yet so it's it's just the proof in the pudding we'll see tomorrow I suppose yeah um, Inchi yeah I mean my um, my first question would just be that um, what just to wonder what the reaction is of the Sunderland fans to all this business in the press of uh, Di Canio, you know, slagging off his own players, something he, he seems to have a track record of doing. Um, you know, do you support the manager in doing that or, or do you find it a bit embarrassing? I mean, sometimes it can become a bit embarrassing. Um, but I, I see in the same way where if, if I went to work and I was, wasn't doing a good job or anything like that, I'd expect manager to call us out on it and if he wasn't if he wasn't calling us out on it I'd probably continue to do the same thing if you know what I mean I mean and he's had things like the obviously the Phil Barkley incident was, uh, that's shy away from that he had to come out and sort of um, see what he, he felt about that and it's it's one of them sometimes it is because he's sort of he's airing his daughter dirty laundry in public but um, it's one of them as well where I think it, it shows the players and it's coming out a lot more because, from what I've heard, it was a very lax sort of time under O'Neill, uh, and the players sort of got away with a lot. And I think the more the players understand that they have to go in 100% and they can't do daft things like miss shirt signings or miss sort of training or sit separately in training and stuff like that, the more they understand that, I think it will get less because they know obviously they're going to be called for it. If, if thing is, to use your analogy though. To use your analogy, um, if you if you did something wrong at work, you would expect to be called up for it, but you'd probably get called into the boss's office. He's unlikely to announce it over the tannoy. You know, that's that's the difference. It's doing it in public that I think people uh, raise a few eyebrows. You know. Yeah, I think I I, I can't understand that, but it comes from the same vein as well. Sort of, I'm sure we said recently, if, if something happens behind closed doors, you, you deal with it behind closed doors, but. What he's saying is when they're out on the pitch, it's there for the world to see, you know what I mean? They're talking about um, Ji Dong Wong last, uh, well, not last week, the week before when he played Palace. Palace. There was a time when he just pulled, you could you could see, yeah. if he went in 100%, he'd got a header and it probably would have been a goal. Yeah. He pulled out of it, and it's one of them ones where if he came off the pitch and defended the player, then everyone would have been shouting at the telly saying, what are you defending him for? And then mm. when he comes out, I just think, the way his personality comes rather than just saying yeah he should have hello he shouldn't be at the team it's just his personality seems sort of I think 10-20 times more exaggerated than he's seeing the same as sort of another manager who just knows how to see it in a sort of different less passionate way yeah I think um, definitely he's, he's, he's trying to stamp his authority on the club um, and like you say, if there, if 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 things had been a bit slack under O'Neill's reign, um, he probably feels that you know he has to he has to you know show the players that um, you know uh, it is it you know it's 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 a new it's a new broom uh-huh. we're working under. So um, I I I don't have too much. I, I I can sort of see both 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 points of view. I mean we've got a, we've got a manager that will never call out his players um, in public. So he's at the opposite end of the spectrum compared to. Someone like Paolo Di Canio or um, even a Jose Mourinho, yeah. um, you know. Um, so, um, speaking to uh, some people that have, have been up to Sunderland before, they they say it's like you know one of the best away trips up there. I mean, what is it about 
Sunderland that makes it such a, a great place to come. I mean, have you managed to replicate the old Roca Roar in, 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 in the state, at the Stadium of Light? Is it the same sort of atmosphere that used to be generated at Roca Park? I think I think very much like that. I mean, I was sort of young during the Roca Park days. It was my first season ticket was like the last year at Roca Park, um, but it, it did have that feeling. And I think it's more it comes from up here in the northeast. It's it's very much I know it's cliche. A lot of people see it. Football is a sort of religion, and it's it's what people talk about week in week out. And people go to the ground and they just they they enjoy football. I mean. It's one of them grounds as well where the fans seem to get on as well. Like uh, the pubs around the stadium, you, you will go and you, you'll see the away fans in the pub with you. Obviously, unless it's the, the Newcastle match, then there would be a, yeah. uh, a bit of trouble. But it, when it comes to it, I remember, I remember going to watch some of Arsenal play. It was a few years ago. It was when you got Henri back yeah. um, on loan. Um, and he had an amazing game. Um, and he scored. He scored one of the best goals I've ever seen. And when he got substituted off, even the Southern fans stood up and clapped and applauded. And it's one of them feelings where we love our football and we love watching it, you know what I mean? So it's obviously it gets passionate if the team's doing bad and stuff and that, they get behind them. But it's one of them ones where you can go and the, 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 the fans just just behind the team. But it's it's more because not just the love of Southern, but the love of football yeah. the game in general, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, I mean, I would love to have gone up there this 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 weekend, but um, circumstances wouldn't allow it. But yeah, like I said, people have been saying that you know it, it's a really good crack up there. Um, so um, yeah, so talking about your new signings, um, who do you feel will make? Which of the signings do you feel will make a, 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 an impact for you this season going forward, or who should we look out um, for even in, in tomorrow's game? <laughs> well, from what I've seen, out the door is strength and I didn't realise he, ha- he has a bit of pace in him but the last few games he's, he's been a bit of an island because he's been up there when he, by himself um, and Sessegnon the first few games he, he wasn't sort of on form obviously you wouldn't see he wasn't happy or he was moving on so that's why he wasn't playing well and he can hold the ball up really well I mean if him and, and Fletcher can sort of strike a partnership um, I think that, that that could be sort of one of the ones that makes it a, a good season for Sunderland and then I mean, a lot of this. I mean, like Barini, we haven't really seen, well, haven't seen anything of him yet, um, and he hasn't sort of came all guns blazing at Liverpool when he when he signed for them. Um, Jacarini, who was sort of the big signing one before we got, because we got him from Juventus, and he played, and he's he's been playing for for Italy. Um, he's he he's been he's been looking all right, not amazing, um, but from what I've heard, he's not fully fit yet. Right. Uh, and he's he's actually a doubt for tomorrow. Um, yeah. I've heard he's been pulled his hamstrings on international duty, um, so he might be playing. But um, out of all the, out of all the signings, uh, we've actually got a, a young right back called uh, Slustka, a right back. Right. Um, and it was one of them positions where I think it was more of we didn't know we were going to need to fill that position, and then Phil Bardsley sort of debacle happened, and it was we need to get someone in. Right. And it was just a lone signing that no one expected, and he's been the most consistent and played good every time I've seen him so I've seen every, every game of the season in the cup games as well he's played well sort of week in week out and it's it's one of them ones where when you're not scoring a lot you need your defence to be working well I mean tomorrow I'm just a little bit afraid because O'Shea is injured so it means we have two new centre backs done probably uh, in reverse and uh, Diakate and right. they haven't played together yet um, 
Diakate was injured for the most of pre-season, so he hasn't been fully fit yet. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what uh, your forward line uh, yeah. does tomorrow against a, a, a sort of a newly put together back four. Um, so it, it's one of them ones where all the players have showed promise so far, but you're hearing these stories that they're not fully fit yet and they've, they've been injured. I mean, tomorrow if Stagarini doesn't play because he's injured, we've got a new young um, kid called Mavrius, which I think is definitely going to be one for the future. Is he the Greek kid? Yeah, he's the Greek kid. He signed from um, from Panathinaikos. Right. Um, and he's he looks he looks he's got a, a, a mean turn of pace on him. He looks really fast and for his age, he's only nineteen. Right. He looks he, he looks well established. He's only started substitute yet, but again, he before the start of the season, he hadn't played since I think about March time because he had an injury. Mm-hmm. So all the signings we've got, it's until they start gelling together, until they get fully fit. It's just hard to see sort of which ones are really going to sort of um, show us what they've got. But I think if Mavria starts tomorrow, mm-hmm. it'll be his first start in the Premier League, it'll be against a big team like yourselves. I think he could, or if he comes on as a substitute as well, because like I say, it'll be the first time well, I mean, we've played Fulham, so, the North, Arsenal, Tottenham, Man United, you know what I mean? So we'll see who turns out tomorrow to see um, who wants to play against the big guns. Cool. Um, just going back to Jacarini, guys. Were, were we? In, was there a rumor about us going in for Jacarini at some point in the summer, or was that just me? Don't remember one. No. Right. Okay. No, I don't recall one either. Okay. Cool. This it definitely seems a a, a, a a good. Did he come from Juventus? Yeah, he came on Juventus. He did quite well in the Corfed's Cup this year. Um, he scored against Brazil, and mm-hmm. there's a few people looking at him. I think. Um, and obviously Juventus brought Tevez in and, uh, and some others and they needed to sort the, the wage bill out more than anything. Mm-hmm. So I think it was about six million. So it seemed like a good sort of deal. I mean, he was playing last season when they, they won the title. So it's it's one of them ones. But one of the things is he's, he's very small as well. Um, one of the first part of that, I knew he was small, but I didn't realise how small he was. And it's, it's one of them ones, can he adapt to the Premier League where it's a bit sort of a harder game, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. so they can see him in, in, in the red and white but uh, um, I wouldn't um, count on him 
having a major impact on the game unless he makes a dramatic recovery. But even without Ozil, I think we'd be too strong for you personally. I mean, from what I understand, you struggled to score goals recently. And, um, you know, even with a makeshift back four, you would have thought we would um, keep a clean sheet against a side that's struggling to score. So um, I'm fairly optimistic about it, especially when you take into account the fact that you've got so many signings and they haven't really had time to gel yet. Whereas we've, we've got the same team that we had last season, you know, give or take one or two. So, so we're properly gelled. Yeah, I mean, it's one, it's one of them where our top two could be Aldadon, Fletcher, and it'll be Fletcher if he does start these first um, game starting since injury. Uh, if he doesn't start, it'll be Barini up front who hasn't played for us. And the guy who will probably replace him, Sessegnon, will probably be that uh, key who we've got on, on loan from Swansea. And like I say, he hasn't played for us either. So it's one of them ones where even if they do turn up apart, they haven't really played together. So it's it's gonna. That's why I said if, if I'm optimistic, probably one goal is gonna be the most we're gonna get, and mm. I can see that hard to come by. Okay, cool. Alrighty. Okay. Well, Tom. Thanks for coming on and giving us an insight, very in-depth insight into um, the goings-on in uh, w- within the Stadium of Light. Um, wish you the best of luck for for the season. Um, hopefully, you know De Canio can can galvanise you guys not tomorrow, but you know for the rest of the for the rest of the season. Um, and um, yeah, thanks for coming on, pal. Yeah. Can I just get one yeah. cheeky plug before I? Sure, go? please. Obviously, like I say, you mentioned the start of April one of the fanzines we've actually just started up um, an England fanzine at the minute as well right um, that's um, it's called 66 magazine it's an online magazine mm-hmm. and that's just at 66magazine.co.uk but it's, it's spelled 60 so it's S-I-X-T-Y and then the number 6 magazine.co.uk and that's just started up so if cool. any of the uh, Arsenal fans fancy having a look up at that no like worries we'll, we'll definitely put it on the website and on, on Twitter as well on the Twitter feed as well all right. Well, like I say, I wish you luck for the season as well. And as with yourself, hopefully not tomorrow. <laughs> cool. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see. All right, then, Tom. Thanks for coming on. That's All right. Okay. Thanks, Tom. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Right. That was uh, Tom Biggins of Sunderland World and Red and White Light. Okay, fellas. So tomorrow um, we've got a few injuries uh, I think uh, as, you, as you guys say the Riziki is he out is he definitely out yes mm-hmm. who, who else is doubtful for us um, Leo well, apparently Mertesek and Ozil are, are both sick mm-hmm. so it looks like it's going to be Sanya at centre back Jenkinson at right back um, because we, we don't have any other options for Marlon's come back into training but he's not going to be fit enough to play tomorrow. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's 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 looking like Gibbs or Monreal at left back, and then uh, you know Sanya and Koscielny in the centre with Jenkinson at right back. So it's a bit makeshift, but you know Sanya's been good at centre back, so hopefully we'll be all right. Yeah. Um, There's some rumblings of uh, Romelian maybe making the recovery a rush back, so possibility of him coming back tomorrow. So cool. We should watch the space. Okay, cool. So, um, um, Leo, what do you reckon um, tomorrow? If 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 um, Ozil gets over his stomach bug, um, looking forward to his to his debut. How could you not be? Definitely. Uh, record signing by some margin. Mm-hmm. Uh, great talent from Real Madrid. I mean, 
I can't remember the last time I've been this excited about a you know a player coming in. You know, Santi Gazzola came in last year and made a huge impact in his first season, but he was not quite as known a player as Ozil. I mean, not too many players are. So, yeah. man, I'm, I can't wait to watch him play. I'm hoping that if nothing else, he can at least come off the bench tomorrow. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you guys think, you, just before the international break, we were on a bit of a run, weren't we? We were, we were looking a lot better after the, the, um, the, the Villa debacle. And you just hope that, um, do you think that we'll, we'll, we'll come back, you know, guns blazing, continue with the momentum? Or do you think that, do you, do you, do you worry that the international break would have um, halted that momentum? Because in the past, it, it, it has proved to be a bit of an Achilles heel for us, would you say, Inchi? Um, well, yeah, I mean, they can interrupt our flow. And um, I'd be gutted if if it did because we were on a roll okay it's a short roll but like I said in the last podcast the team spirit for the North London derby was immense so if we can play against Sunderland with even half of that amount of team spirit we will do well um, so I, I, I hope that the gap hasn't you know broken up any kind of um, momentum we've had because we need it obviously we, we need to slowly build it up and peak at the right moment in the season yeah. you know I mean talking about the international break I don't think Jack or Theo were, were that magical uh, no. for England. I can't, you know, comment on the, the games that I didn't see, yeah. but they weren't great. I mean, Jack, we know, is still finding fitness, so I'm not surprised. But Theo got whacked on his ankle, um, so I don't know if he's going to be 100% sharp tomorrow. Um, and his movement was a bit rubbish, I thought, but mm. um, he did you know, come up with um, some dangerous moves and a bit of a, uh, a an assist or an assist to an assist, whatever the hell it was. So, yeah, I mean, they, they haven't been on, on great form, but I think if we can recapture the team spirit of the North London derby, then, uh, you know, Sunderland will have no chance because that was real fighting spirit. Mm. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you, do you um, worry about you know, guarding against complacency? I mean... I mean, they are in a lot of trouble. I mean, I don't know if they're in a lot of trouble, but, you know, Sunderland are in the press for a, a lot of the wrong reasons. You've got, you know, like the, the John O'Shea thing, you've got the Bardsley thing, you've got that the, the, the Korean fellow that, that ducked out of the header. I read the other day that their, their, their first team lost to their under-21 team. So, <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Not good reading um, going into this game. And I just worry there's something at the back of my mind that just thinks, just, 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 you know, like an alarm bell, wondering whether we might go into this game thinking, yeah, you know, three points, no problem, putting a bit of a show for the, for the, for the away supporters. Ozil comes on and De Canio might try and inspire them. You know, he's a bit of a, a, a wild, a wild card, De Canio, and you never know what he might pull out the bag. What do you reckon, Leo? As a coach myself, I always tell my players that you know that you can't really think about who it is that's lining up across the field from you. You know, you got to go out there and play your game and impose your will, regardless, and take every game the same. So I'm hoping that our players go out there and treat this game as if it were a derby match, you know, and go out there 110 percent and give it their all and just take it to them right away. Yeah, definitely. We don't have a great history on that score, though, do we? I mean, okay. you know, in the past seasons, we've tend to, to sort of assume we'll beat these lesser teams simply by turning up, mm. and then we get a nasty surprise. So it, it does happen from time to time, but I'm hoping that, you know, 
the way they played again I mention it again but the North London derby they they, they would almost terrified of losing that and they, they didn't want to sort of um, suffer the pride the bashing that the pride takes of, of, of losing that so they were determined yeah. to hang on to that 1-0 lead and if they show that determination again it won't be a problem but yeah. um, we have had bad form on that and it, it's just up to the manager yeah. like what he said you know it's up to the manager to say to them look take every game seriously just because they haven't gelled yet and the manager's a twat it doesn't mean that you know they're going to be a pushover um, and uh, if, if we start the first 20 minutes with that attitude and we get an early goal I think you know um, it, it'd be probably game over from that point right yeah definitely um, going Oh, um, just going back to to Ozil, um, I don't know if you guys heard, but um, Florentino Perez has, has, has made some disparaging comments about um, uh, Mesut and his father Mustafa Ozil. He said that Mesut was a womanizer and um, you know wasn't a very professional, and his father was a money grabbing, you know, uh, you know, cretin and so on and so forth. Uh, um, apparently, the father's come out and said that he wants to sue. Um, what would what, you make of the fallout, um, um, Inchi, of, of of this whole this whole saga? I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it seems a bit of sour. I, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, is it a bit of sour grapes on their part? I mean, well, the, the first thing when you when you said that that struck me was that if he's said things like "Oh, um, Ozil was a womanizer, etc., etc.," uh, which I find hard to believe with those tram lines in his hair and his ridiculous earrings. <laughs> Hey, he's a millionaire and, you know, uh, rich beats ugly every time, as Billy Connolly always says. So, um, but yeah, if, if he's come out and said he's a womanizer, then uh, I can I can only imagine that he's doing that to relieve the pressure on himself because there's a massive backlash from the fans um, and the players because they let him go and, and they're screaming at him, why would you let him go? And the best thing he can come up with is, oh, he's a womanizer anyway, you know. Um, and to say that his dad is money grabbing, well, then why didn't he go to PSG? Mm, you know, true. if that's really that money grabbing, then why didn't he, he go somewhere for for ninety million and two hundred and fifty grand a week? You know, it, it, it doesn't really add up. So it just smacks to me of a bit of a desperate excuse mm. because I don't think that he realised how much crap he was going to get for letting the second best player in the club go. Yeah, um, Leo, I, I was I was reading in the paper today that. Um uh, what's the name? Zidane came out and said that you know he should, you know he didn't want to fight for his place. You know maybe he felt under threat from from Isco and and Bale and whatnot. What I mean, what do you make of those comments that came out? In Again, the it, it strikes me as a bit more of just trying to you know cover their own ass, honestly, to put it blunt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it obviously hasn't been well received in Madrid the uh, transfer, so they're trying to play down the importance and the value that he added to the club last year, you know, by questioning his spirit. So, you know, and if that were the case, I don't know if he would have come to a club like Arsenal. I mean, we do have a fairly strong midfield as it is, and we did have a number 10 playing in, you know, center mid there last year with Santi Gazorla, and he's looking to go alongside Arteta, who's been very strong for us as well. So it's not like he's going to walk right in and, have a guaranteed spot for 90 minutes of every match mm. definitely um, just um, going back to that um, you wonder um, what will happen to Rosicki I mean it could be qu- quite fortunate for, uh, for, 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 for Ozil 
Um, and unfortunate for Riziki, if, if Riziki does miss this match, that Ozil will probably, you know, you know, would probably come and take his position, assume that position, and, and you can't really see him looking back from them. I mean, if he starts well, um, you know, and, and he puts in a good performance, you can't really see him, you know, coming out of the squad. We've got we've got Marseille. Uh, this week in the uh, Champions League, I believe, and then next Saturday we've got the home game against Stoke City. I mean, if if if, if Mizzet, you know, you know, hits the, hits his straps, you know, I think I think poor Tomo will 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 will, will suffer. I mean, what do you, what do you reckon, Jasper? Well, I think um, you know it, it it's kind of it was it was a headache, you know, without any injuries. Um, because you know you bought this very expensive player, you you wanted to play. The fans want to see him play, but at the same time, you you got um, all of the midfielders are on fire. You know, well I say all of them. Ramsey's on fire. Jack's not fully fit, but um, I don't think Urza will play in his position anyway. Because all is playing well, so it's a bit of a headache. Who do you drop? So the fact that um, Rosicki's injured um, almost. You know, solves the headache. It's it's an aspirin, if you like, for mm. Wenger because now he can just say, well, there you go. You can you can slot straight in to your number ten role, um, and then you know, it's Kazora on the left and Theo on the right, um, and and Ramsey and Flamini behind him or, or whatever. Mm. So that's that kind of solves the problem. Mm. I think once he started playing um, with his talent, it'd be bloody difficult for Rosicki to get back in. Absolutely. Mm. Um, but you had to drop someone, um, and um, I think that's probably one of the easier ones to drop. Even though I'm a massive fan of his, so maybe that's that's helped to solve the problem in that way. Yeah, I mean, uh, Leo behind Özil, who who do you have? Do you, do you, do you play Ramsey and Wiltshire or Ramsey and Flamini? For tomorrow's game, who, who who goes in behind? Who 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 are the two that that that, that um, hold those 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 central midfield spots? In your estimation, for, for a game like Sunderland, if it were at home, mm-hmm. I would be saying definitely Wilshire and Ramsey. Mm-hmm. You know, we could probably have a, quite a bit more possession. But going to the Stadium of Light, it's always a little bit of a challenge. You know, it's a tough place to play. Mm. They're a tough side to play on the road. Mm. So part of me says maybe you know lean a little bit towards Flamini. Uh, maybe start with Ramsey and Wilshire and look to have Flamini come off after we get that early goal. Mm-hmm. Or Flamini come on, I'm sorry. After we get that early goal, come in in the uh, 60th, 70th minute and shore up the defense. And you know, I guess it kind of goes by uh, how the game plays out. Yeah. What would you reckon, um, Inch? Yeah, I, I think that's not a bad idea. I mean... Um, you know, it, it's hard to say what the game would be like because the, the whole, I mean, the Sunderland team has changed massively since we last played them. So we, we don't know, um, at least I, I don't know exactly what to expect. Mm. Um, but um, Flamini is useful in that he's, he's more defensive than the other players. So you can start with him if you think you're going to come out under 20 minutes of all-out attack or you can um, bring him on to protect a lead. Mm. Um I, I wouldn't like to make that call really but I think my only instinct is that because Jack has had these international games he may be tired from them he, he didn't look 
up to his best, I would probably say um, start with Flamini just because that means every single person on the pitch is more or less 100% fit and 100% sharp, mm. you know, um, rather than starting with with um, one or two players that aren't at their best. You're kind of asking for trouble a little bit. You don't want him to sort of be a bit tired, give the ball away, and then they, they score a goal, a goal on the counter-attack, and all of a sudden we're trying to come back from one goal down, you know. So my instinct would say I'd start with Ramsey and Flamini, but... Yeah. Uh, Especially if Ozil does play, then the, the creativity that you lose by taking Jack off is made up for with Ozil. But again, I don't think he'll start if he's not feeling well. So, mm. yeah, it's it's interesting um, to see what will happen, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, 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 I, I'm, I'm of the... I, I, I think I'm of the mind. I'd, I'd like to see Flamini there, in there, especially if Ozil's played. I mean, if they play that bruiser catamole, you know, who likes to kick people in the air more than he actually likes to kick a ball. Um, we'll, we'll need somebody to take care of him, you know, and let him know that there's somebody else about in, on the park. Um, I don't know how they're going to play their midfield, but I think it, they may look to... I wouldn't be surprised if they put in a, if Catamore's available. I can't see someone like Craig Gardner and, and, and Sebastian Last and being able to, to, to go up against our midfield free. Um if it was them two, then if it was to be Gardner and and and, and Larson, uh, obviously Wenger can't preempt what 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 team um, De Canio puts out. But if if it was them two, then I wouldn't mind playing Ramsey and um, Ramsey and Wiltshire in in behind Özil um, or Kazola or whoever it is who's going to take the, the, the uh, attacking midfielder spot. Um, so that, that's that's my thoughts on it. Um, what, Leo, I just wanted to ask about the, the this new goalkeeper because you're you're obviously a, a, a former you're part of the the, the goalkeeping fraternity brotherhood. So, what, what do you reckon to um, to the new signing Viviano? To be completely honest, I uh, even being Italian, I hadn't really seen much of him playing. Mm. You know, we terrible, don't get a whole lot of terrible, Leo. Over here. I know, I know. I'm letting the, I'm letting the podcast down. <laughs> An Italian uh, goalkeeper, and he doesn't know anything about. <laughs> I think we need another guest next week. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. No, but um, you know, I've anybody that's been on the forum knows that I've questioned the uh, goalkeepers we've had over the last couple of years, mm. and I've been in favor of making a big signing back in the back to uh, kind of shore up the defense, kind of orchestrate the back line. But, uh, you know, Chesney's not been as bad as I lead on at times. I know I can be tough on him. And, uh, you know, it's nice to have that little bit extra pressure on him to uh, earn his spot. It doesn't look like Viviano's going to do a whole lot more than that. No. Um, at least not the early, you know, early signals from the, the coaching staff. But... Mm. You know, we'll see as things play out. You know, and it's nice to finally have a little bit more depth back there. Yeah, uh, he's probably a big upgrade from Anone. Yeah. What are these um, early signings from the from the uh, goalkeeping staff? Well, I haven't really. I mean, I haven't heard anything. You know, just that. Are you in the know? What's that? Are you in the know? ITK from Vanger saying that he'd be as backup to Chesney. Mm. It's, it's interesting because he's, he's followed him for a little while, hasn't he? He's, this is not the first we've heard of him. I mean, I remember, he, I think he was chasing him a couple of years ago or something before he went to Palermo or wherever. 
So, because I remember somebody put a picture of him on the forum and he looks uncannily, spookily. <laughs> Spanish waiter. Like the Spanish waiter, <laughs> doesn't he? I think the um, the goalkeeping situation is a, is a fascinating one, really, because you know, as as Gooners, we're used to seeing some incredible goalkeepers. I suppose it's a bit like the striker scenario, isn't it? We've seen Omri and Burkham, yeah. and then we've had to make do with you know Adebayor and Bentner and people like that. And it's not massively different, you know, in the goalkeeping department. We've we've had Seaman followed by Lehman, um, you know, and um, and now we we've got Chesney and and Fabianski, um, and. I don't know, the trio of Chesney, Fabianski and Manoni wasn't brilliant, but you kind of um, had some confidence in it. But now that Manoni's gone, um, you know, the obvious first purchase in, in the transfer window should have been a goalkeeper, because mm. obviously um, if, if Chesney got injured and then Fabianski got a red card followed by a three-game ban... Um, what are you doing? What are you doing then? You're putting James Shea out there or, or some 16-year-old. I mean, you're absolutely stuffed. Mm. So, you know, goalkeeper was absolutely crucial. Yeah. And I just assumed that we'd get somebody that would really, really rival Chesney. So yeah. I don't know whether it be Julio Cesar or, or somebody else that was vastly experienced, you know, someone 35-plus um, that really knew his stuff well, and would yeah. actually show them the ropes. Yeah. And not only did we not do that but um, we got somebody that seems to be in the same kind of Mold. ability level as the yeah. other two goalkeepers so if they're all at the same level I'm not sure who's going to learn from who yeah. and and Chesney as Leo said definitely needs someone to put him under pressure because he got too comfortable yeah. I think he even admitted that in an interview recently didn't he he said look I, I started to relax a bit because I knew I had no competition well he needs serious competition not somebody who's, who's round about the same as him yeah. True. I think there's still question marks over Chesney. He's not. He's nowhere near the finished article. He's Definitely. still very young. He's a great shot stopper, but his distribution is well, is rubbish compared to yeah. other goalkeepers like Joe Hart, for example. Yeah. Um, and, and he needs to improve. But will he improve without somebody, you know, of top class pushing him all the way? You know, for example, if we had bought Cesar, you know, you'd assume he'd go straight in at number one because he's better than the other two. Mm. And then Chesney would be the one fighting to get his place back, rather than always him being quite comfortable that Fabianski's behind him and you know not having to make too much of an effort mm. what, what, what are your thoughts uh, Leah I know you've been quite critical of the young well, I, I completely agree with what what Enchi was saying there I mean mm. you'd like to have somebody really pushing spurring him on the whole way um, you know I kind of you know it's not much of a surprise that Wenger didn't go that route because mm. he you know, has the track record of not wanting to stifle a player's development, mm. but uh, doesn't like know. killing people, does he? No, Definitely and a, it's in in my taste, the goalkeeping position is not a position where you develop somebody at you know the top class level of the game. You know, I'd like to have a finished article coming mm. in. Totally agree. They want. Mm. I mean, I mean, I, I I was previously I was of I used to defend Chesney. I mean. He, you know, I followed him on his loan spell at, at, at um, Brentford, and then when he came in and had his debut against Man United, I thought, you know, this boy is the real deal. But I mean, as much as I've defended him, you know, um, I remember we were having a, a debate there. I think we, I think it was a game out in Germany or somewhere, or was it Milan? And uh, Kevin, Kate, Kevin Prince Boateng um, scored at his near post, and you said he should have, he should have saved it. 
and I was saying, well, come on, the, the, the speed, the pace, the, the power in the shot. And you're like, no, any goalkeeper worth his salt should really make that save. You know, um, so and slowly I've kind of really studied his, his game. And a lot of people have been saying his distribution is, is, is really bad. And when you really look at it, you, you, you can't really defend. You can't defend it. You know, yeah. um, what what surprised me was okay. If Cesar was 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 holding out for seventy or ninety grand a week, why didn't we go for Schwarzer? That would have been a fantastic signing. Schwarzer went for free. <laughs> he moved across the 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 the, the, the postcodes from SW five to SW six. We we should have got him. He would have been the perfect mentor for these guys, as well as giving them strong competition. You know. Yeah. And he wouldn't have demanded a first team, uh, a first team slot because he's 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 comfortable on the bench at at, at at Chelsea, you know. I think I think I think he would have been a really good upgrade, a really good mentor, and um, you know he's what he's forty now, so he'd only been a couple of seasons, and he probably we could have given him a goalkeeping a, a coaching spot because that's another thing. I don't think our goalkeeping coaches are anything to write home about. He'd have been a uh, coach and a kid. Yeah, would have been nice to have. You know, you know. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I agree with you, mate. And um, we, we were in for him before, weren't we? And then yeah. we didn't get him for whatever reason. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And, and now he, he, I think back then he was three million or five million, and now he's free, so he's a perfect Wenger signing. So, yeah, he would have ticked a lot of boxes. I completely agree with you. And um, I, going back to what Leo said earlier about um, you know having a finished article, uh, I agree because if you think about a young kid who's you know um, unproven in the Premier League like Jack was, you know, or Sesk was when, when we first put him out there. If he makes mistakes due to being raw, the worst thing that can happen is that he loses possession on the halfway line. Mm. And he's still got a back four and a goalkeeper behind him. Yeah. So it's not necessarily going to cost you a goal or even the game. But if you put a kid between the sticks and he makes a mistake, you're 1-0 down. You know, he makes another mistake, you're 2-0 down. It's the wrong position to be conducting experiments. You know, you, you can throw someone in at the deep end in the middle of the park, but you shouldn't be doing it, you know, in a goalkeeping position. Because if the experiment goes wrong, it costs you points. Um, and I don't think, you know, I think that's the wrong position to be doing that, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Chesney, okay, he's good. He hasn't made that many mistakes lately. Um Apart from that strange rushing out he did, was it against Fulham or Villa where he came rushing out? Villa. And, uh, yeah, that was just hilarious. But, you know, he doesn't do that too often to his credit. So we don't have too much to moan about. But mm. it's just the fact, once again, that we have all this money and we still got two very young goalkeepers. Yeah. Um, so it, for a club of our size, with the history of goalkeepers we had, we, we should be doing better. Yeah. I mean, Leo, do you see a, a, a change in his focus, his mental attitude? The, the, the Villa game aside, that 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 that, that moment of, of 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 madness aside, do you think have you seen in, in in the ensuing games have you seen any sort of change in his focus, in his attitude, in his, his his play? Well, it's uh, it's still a bit early to really you know make a full assessment, but you know I'm hoping that he's kind of maturing a little bit and starting to realize that you know that he does have some areas that he can improve on in his game and then he'll really you know focus and work on getting those areas those weak spots shored up during this season mm -hmm. sorry i got a little bit of a barking dog in the background <laughs> that <laughs> give that dog a bone <laughs> yeah. um go okay so let's uh, move on from there um so venga's made this signing 
what do you think? I mean, you look around and the feel, I don't think there's been such a feel good factor in such a long time. I mean, everyone's just, there's a whole lot of man love. There's a whole lot of bromance. No homo, you know, there's this, this, you know, everyone's just walking around with this happy, cheesy grin on their faces and, you know, people are hugging everybody, you know, and, you know, giving high fives and whatnot. It's, it's such a sea change to, you know, a, 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 a week before the, 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 the transfer window closed. I mean, it, it looks like Wenger can do no wrong. So my, my question to you guys is, contract talks, do you think he's done enough? to earn a new contract Jasper uh, mate that's a difficult question um, uh, it, it's so it's so complicated because you know you mentioned um, to me before we came online you know that um, the AST sent that letter didn't they saying mm. it would be inappropriate um, for his contract to be renewed under the circumstances but mm. of course that was before deadline day so um, you could understand them all being completely livid because we'd only signed Sonogo um, and we'd lost to Villa. So they weren't very happy, um, as were, uh, you know, we weren't happy either, no Gooners were. But then, you know, all of a sudden we make this stellar signing that we've been crying out for for years. I wonder if they feel like they spoke too soon or whether they feel like they, um, you know, they still aren't happy and, and they still shouldn't renew it. It's an interesting question because um, all he's done is bought a player, albeit a brilliant one, does that make everything all right? Well, I think that um, what we should do is is give it another ten games and then decide. Because the um, the AST will um, have obviously been delighted with the signing, but they want to see changes on the pitch as well. They want to see us looking confident, looking like we might be title challengers, and then answering the question of you know should we renew or not. I think. Um, it could be a make or break season in that way. You know, we've got to see what happens before we answer the question. I don't think it's as simple as, you know, we were screaming out for a player, we finally bought him, brilliant, job done, Wenger's a genius. It's not as um, as black and white as that, is it? Um, it's what do we do with this player and do we take advantage of the fact that, you know, our competitors are in unknown territory. You know, United have Moyes. He doesn't, you know, like we said this in the last podcast, we don't know whether he's going to cope with the pressure and the egos. You know, Mourinho's got a point to prove, but can he repeat it again? And then City have a new manager who's got to adapt. Um, so this could be the best time to challenge for the title in years. And if we then don't do that, then we finish bloody fourth again, even with Ozil and, and maybe no trophies. I think a lot of people will, you know, um, say don't renew. You know, because we spent forty two and a half million quid and made no progress. So it a lot depends on what happens over the next couple of months, I reckon. Yeah. Well, to introduce you guys to an American saying, you don't buy the sizzle, you buy the steak. Right. And the signing of Ozil was definitely a very good sizzle. Now let's see if the steak is there to match it. Right. So you know, like Inch was saying, let's get through the season, see how things play out and then, you know, make the assessment from there but mm. you know things right now are definitely looking very good yeah I mean he, he came out is it yesterday or today, today in the press and he said you know he's not thinking about the, 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 the contract talks you know he'll, he'll assess how things are uh, you know I don't know if he meant at the end of the season or some part further down this, uh, further down the line before he makes his, his decision you just you, you, you look at him and you just think well I wouldn't be surprised if it's already they've already crossed the I's and dotted the T's already and they're just 
you know, they're just kind of holding off and, you know, um, for now, personally, um, definitely I, I agree with you guys. I think we should go, we, sh we, sh we should definitely get to the back end of the season. But I think uh, that leaving it that far down the line um, would, 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 I don't know, it would be, I can't see them, I can't see them leaving it that far down the line. No, they probably won't. Yeah. And um, don't forget that, you know, this board absolutely love Wenger. You know, rightly mm. or wrongly, they think he's great. And, um, you know, um, they know him better than we do, obviously. But mm. they, they they think he's fantastic. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if, if they're desperate for him to sign. You know, um, and they probably will have the conversation with him well before the end of the season. Mm. But, you know, it strikes me that they, they like him that much that even if we had a, a poor season by our standards, they would probably still try and, uh, you know, um, sign him, um, irrespective of what the AST says. Mm. You know, I, I don't think that they listen that closely to fans, do they? So mm. I think they, they just want him to sign, and, um, and he will probably sign them, I reckon. And mm. the only thing, oddly enough, the only thing that will probably stop him is the man himself. You yeah. know, if he says, look, I'm getting old, I've had enough of this, um, you know... I think it's about time someone else had to go. Then they'll have to get somebody new. But mm. I think, um, you know, they personally, you know, the, the board themselves rather, um, you know, they, they're very happy with him. So I can't see them, you know, um, sacking him anytime soon. Mm. Do you agree with that assessment then, um, Leo? Yeah, and, you know, as much criticism as Wenger faces, he is, he is a top quality manager. I mean, there's not much debating that you know does he have his weak points that the arsenal fans like to point out absolutely you know there's no fans better at doing that than us mm -hmm. um but i wouldn't be upset if he stayed but at the same time i wouldn't be heartbroken if we did make a change at the end of the year mm. um you know i don't buy into the whole doom and gloom arsenal is going to go by the wayside the day that Wenger leaves. Mm. You know, there's been plenty of top clubs that have changed managers over the years and, you know, been able to maintain their spot, mm. still attract top quality talent. Uh, and Wenger and uh, Ferguson have kind of been the exception to the rule in recent years. Mm. So, you know, again, just kind of see how things go throughout the year and, uh, you know, perhaps my opinion's much different in January. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Do you think he's going to make um, any any more signings? He tends to make just stopgap signings in January, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. yeah, he doesn't really. I mean, apart from Arshavin and I don't know who else before him. Maybe yeah, I don't. I can't think of who else. I don't know if it's Reyes or whatever. He doesn't really make. Doesn't really like making big signings in January because he said that you know clubs don't want to let go of their top talent. So you know, do you see him going in for another stop? I mean, we, we keep getting linked to this Marika. I, I read that Sonogo's come back from under-21s with a back injury, so we're kind of light up front, as it is. I mean, I don't know where Bentner is in his fitness regime, but, you know, we've we've got Giroud, and then if he goes down injured, we've only got Walcott. But he has, Wenger has said over the years that he doesn't like to make a lot of changes, mm. because he doesn't want to disrupt the side, and there is a lot to lot of credence behind that you know bringing in too many players at once can disrupt the flow i mean mm. when you think about it you bring in three new signings that's nearly a third of your team mm. 
you know, your starting eleven. So I, if he if he were to make any changes in January, I can't imagine it'd be more than you know maybe one or two signings at the very most. And and then again, you know, it's it's tough to find top talent in January. There's mm. you know there's no debating that. You know, top clubs don't want to let their best players leave. Mm. Mm. So I'm hopeful. We'll see. Yeah. Cool. All right, then, guys. Um, so, Inch, predictions for tomorrow. Scoreline um, and first goal scorer. Well, for, before um, I heard that Ozil was sick, I was actually thinking it would be a spanking. Mm-hmm. Um, I really thought 3 or 4 nil mm-hmm. um, because, um, like I touched on before, um, they've got a load of new players. They haven't gelled with each other. They've got injuries on top of that. Um, the manager is an unknown quantity. He's managed to piss some of the players off. Um, so even though he's got a lot of passion, we don't know if they're going to play like a team. We don't know what their team spirit is like. Um, and they've struggled to score goals recently. So I could see with the way that we're playing, with our chemistry at the moment in attack, and the number of chances we create, plus the number of chances that Ozil will create, which is probably double that, um, I, I could see us absolutely spanking them, you know, three or four nil. But with him sick, then I have to rein that in a bit. So I'll probably probably more like two or three nil. So let's call it two nil to us. Mm-hmm. And the first goal scorer probably Giroud. Right. Leo? I hate to say it, but I'm thinking much the same. I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on how fit Walcott is and what kind of contribution he makes at the beginning of the match, uh, assuming that he's fit to start. Uh, again, you know, I don't know if I could pick anybody other than Giroud to score right now. He's been hot, and I'm hoping that he continues that uh, final run of form he's on. Well, so, again, 2-3-0. Two, two, cool. Well, it's interesting that so in the Premier League, he hasn't scored outside London. So he's due to break that duck. <laughs> Let's hope. You know, uh, myself, I'm going to go for 2-1 to us, and I'm going to go for Ramsey to be the first goal scorer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. I, I, see what you go, I see where you're going with that. Mm. I was going to say Giroud likes to score early, doesn't he? Because mm. he, he seems to score in the first half an hour. But, yeah, Ramsey, the way he's playing, drifting into the box, running into space and timing it well, you know, why not? Cool. Did you say two nil or three nil? What, what was your What was your prediction? Uh, I, I said two nil. And Giroud and yeah. Leo, you said I'll settle on three. You settled on I'm three. Feeling, just, I'm feeling optimistic. I'm feeling good this week. Just the three and Giroud as well, yeah. Yep. All right. Cool. Um, Inch, you said that you wanted to do a new um, section, didn't you? You want to start up a section? Is it? I thought we should have a regular feature every yeah, that's week, it. You know, like most of these. Um, you know, podcast type things do, yeah. Um, it's just in, in terms of, it wouldn't be so much on, on this one because we haven't uh, actually, the game hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. But on the Tuesday podcast after the game, we can mm-hmm. have, you know, a man of the match, you know, and, um, you know, stuff like that. Cool. All right, then. we'll go for that. All right, then. Um, I was going to talk about Jovinia, but is there, any, is there any point? I mean, he's old news, isn't he? It, it, it's old news and it's a very short um, topic in a way yeah. because you know um, he said some stuff to the press we don't even know if it's true or not because mm. it contradicts what he said before about how much he loves Wenger mm. and even if it is true it's the most obvious and pathetic case of sour grapes I've ever seen you know yeah. he says he wasn't played enough he clearly was mm. he said he wants to be played in the middle well you know every single player that plays for Arsenal wants to be played in the middle 
nobody wants to be left out of the wings and, and get a touch every 10 minutes, do they? So every single player that we have, every attacking player, wants to be a central attacking midfielder. They all want to play the number 10 role. They're all capable of it. So it's a bit of a meaningless whinge as far as I'm concerned. Mm. You, you... Yeah, it's another case of one of those, you know, just wasn't me, you know, passing the blame, yeah. trying to rationalize their shortcomings. Mm. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's harsh to say that, say that to Gervinho, but, uh, I mean, how else can you look at it? Yeah. Definitely. And a good football player is going to go out there and he's going to do the business no matter where he's at. Yeah. You know, yeah. lining up on the left-hand side doesn't make you put a tap in wide. You know? <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think yeah. about it. And also, when you think about, you know, you touched on an interesting point as well, Leo, is that when you think about it, he's saying he wants to play down the middle. But if you think about some of his biggest misses, he was running straight down the middle at, at the time on a counter-attack, and he'd go around the keeper and then put it wide with an empty net. So what's that got to do with playing on the left? You know, Absolutely nothing. It's a, it's a pathetic excuse. And, uh, yeah, I, I just think it's, it's sour grapes and... You know, when people, when a club says they're going to sell you, there's obviously you're obviously going to feel a sense of rejection, and um, you know certain interviewers can easily tap into that. You know, and, and it all comes out, but really it's just hot air, isn't it? He hasn't said anything meaningful in yeah. that interview, so. Yeah. Cool. Well, we've got a run of uh, the games are going to come thick and fast. We've got tomorrow's game away to Sunderland, then we've got Wednesday. We've got the first Champions League game away to Marseille. Next Sunday, after Sunday after this, we got Stoke, and then following Wednesday, we got West Brom in the cock. Yeah. Um, so they're going to come thick and fast. Hopefully, we get our walking wounded back. Hope, hope no one goes down this weekend. Um, yeah, because we'll, we'll, we'll need the big squad. I think we'll see definitely in the dub in the, in the cock. We'll see um, if Sonogo comes back and uh, him in that and and, and Ganabri. Um, just 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 one more thing. I just looked on the forum and there's uh, been a thread started about who you know um, who's who who's going to make the who who's was it who has the bigger impact Gnabry or who has the bigger talent Gnabry is that how you pronounce his name and or, or Chamberlain or what, what do you reckon the commentators call him Gnabry Gnabry right it's a bit weird but then he is German so it could just be a strange German pronunciation but mm-hmm. anyway no that thread was started by Goonies so you know don't worry about it <laughs> <laughs> no, be kind be kind no it's, it, no, it's a it's, a, it's a, an interesting question for, for him but um, I, I, I think I said in there that you know um, uh, they're both talented similar kind of players in a way um, but uh, you know Gnabry has been ripping it up in the reserves but then when the Ox was in the reserves he was ripping it up as well mm. you know the players of that quality are far too good to play in the reserves or play for England under 21s they, they just some you know, not every game but they, you know they'll there'll be so many games where they'll score a hat-trick or they'll get a hat-trick of assists because of their quality. But all of a sudden, you put them in a Premier League game and they, they hardly do anything. You know, one decent run or one decent cross. And it's because all of a sudden they're coming up against a team that know how to defend, that are determined and um, are desperate not to lose the game. Whereas, you know, in the youth levels, the philosophy, especially in the Arsenal reserves, is try and win the game, but overall have a good time and learn from the experience. Those are the priorities. Winning the game is actually secondary. Um, that's what the, the coaches, the, under, the, the reserves coaches are always saying. So it, it, if you 
you know it's not difficult for players like that to to really shine mm. but um the real test is when Gnabry is put into a, a Premier League scenario will he be better or worse than the Ox I would say probably about the same yeah I'd say being the same is probably being generous to Gnabry I mean he's he's an unknown quantity right now mm. I mean I hope that he can come up and be just as good as Ox but that'd be a great problem to have mm. but uh you know it's a long ways off yet yeah hopefully yeah. He's younger than, than the Ox, right. and he's less experience in 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 Carling Cup, in Champions League, in, in any at any senior level. He's yeah. he's younger and had less experience, so you wouldn't expect him to be at the same level. I probably was being generous, but I mean, once he's settled, you would expect him to, to hopefully come close to that. But when he's first dropped into that level, yeah, he won't be as good as the Ox. I agree with you. Mm, definitely. Cool. Right. All right, then, fellas. Um... You lot just ramble on, that's the thing, you know, I don't have the heart to stop you, you know what I mean? That's why, that's why I said we should call this Ramble On, yeah. you know, and then put, play Ramble On by Led Zepp at the start, <laughs> and uh, everyone's a winner. <laughs> we have now gone on for over one whole hour, fellas, and we all agreed it'll be about 35 minutes, jeez. <laughs> We'll do better next time, we promise. Yeah. <laughs> Alright then, fellas. Um, so, um, hopefully, we'll um, have a good result tomorrow. And um, reconvene Tuesday night for the um, review of this match and um, the upcoming Champions League game against Marseille. Excellent. Cool. Sounds so, it's good night. good night from me. Good night, mate. Good night. Thanks for having me on. Cool.